Welcome to the new best rivalry in baseball. Hey, welcome everybody. Here we are in 90 Miles Podcast. Uh, This is Ryan with Jesse, who's a Brewers fan. For some reason, I can't imagine why, but whatever. Uh, I'm representing the Cubs here, and uh, we're going to talk some Cubs and Brewers baseball. That's right. It's episode three. I think we're going to hit the transactions episode, and I don't know why anybody would be a Cubs fan, to be perfectly honest, so Mm. this should go well. Okay, sure. So let's uh, I, let's just <laughs> jump right, let's just jump right into uh, um, uh, spring training game one, Cubs and Brewers, sure. which you know I mean how poetic I guess uh, game one sixty four where we were saying or you were saying prior to the game yeah then then you all then the you marbles <laughs> yes yes all the marbles everything was on the line spring yeah training, yeah opening game. You know, the Brewers sending out Chase Anderson, who led the league in home runs last year, (laughs) from the mound by giving them up. (laughs) So, you know, we wanted to ease your guys back in a little bit, give them an opportunity to get some confidence going early in the season. You know, get your spring started off right. We felt kind of bad about 163. I mean, it kind of pretty much wrecked everything you guys did for the previous 162. So we gave you Chase Anderson, you know. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's washed away now uh, with a eight to four Cubs victory, game one sixty four. So now you know, and and you you'll go right in saying, oh yeah, they didn't have their starters, but that's no know, no. We, find, we, we had one. Excuse. We had one starter. He led the league in homers, and I think that's what really counts here. Oh, so. okay. Home runs <laughs> given up, of course. Uh, the only good thing from the Brewers' side, if you want to get into anything in that game, Corey Ray was brought up as a uh, potential trade bait candidate all spring long for guys like Madison Bumgarner, a couple of Cleveland starters potentially. He went two for three and hit a bomb, so he had a nice you know, opening to his spring training. He's really the depth really at the center field position behind Lorenzo Cain as far as the minor league system goes. So it was kind of nice to see that. That's really about one of the only takeaways you could really look at as a Brewer fan there. Like you said, there was no starters in the lineup except, you know, they threw, you know, Davies and Anderson out there in the pitching side for a little bit. Otherwise, what do you got from the Cubs' perspective for that particular ball game? Oh, well, primarily, I mean, not not too many uh, starters as far as uh, pitchers, um, too much uh but uh i think the biggest thing was chris bryant hitting a bomb uh two for two in his first two at bats home run and a single two rbis two run homer um looks like the shoulder is good it looks like uh you know launch angle is looking good everything everything looking good there um that's very encouraging just uh to start off the spring like that um you know after last year and i i know he came out and he's you know he had a there was a lot of naysayers last year um you know even even trade rumors and things like that and he's he kind of came out and said you know um i'm gonna prove you all wrong and not only did he say that but he's he's showing it so uh, that was that was great um obviously you know i made that prediction about 25 plus home runs uh, by all-star break for chris bryant so you know we aren't counting spring training ryan no i i re- <laughs> i realize that i want to make sure that that's clear we didn't we no, didn't really point no, it out at the a, beginning you oh, said I know. you know there's a couple games in march you know this isn't march it's still february it's a, it, it's a good sign he's he's putting the ball in the sure. air and it's going deep so uh that's the main thing it, i want to talk about as far as game 1 um yeah, you know, sure. Eternal know. hope, you know, spring training. You bet. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, we're just getting going, so I mean, it's hard to read into a lot of things this early in spring training. So, um, yep. You know, but I, you know, I do think it's worth reading into Chris Bryant hitting home run as a good sign because uh, with his shoulder sure. injury, he was not uh, hitting the ball that deep. He he lost his launch angle and his strength, and so. Um, the fact that he already put one out um, is a good sign. So, 
Sure, even if it was off of Chase Anderson. As well, far as the Brewers go, <laughs> it, it hey, still shows his shoulders you know, okay. The launch angle's good. He's putting the ball in the air and he's putting it deep. So it doesn't matter who, sure, who yeah. came on. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. who he hit. It doesn't it off matter of. if somebody. Sure, the Brewers <laughs> just grooved a pitch for Bryant. They want oh. him to feel good. Yeah, you know, it's a little bait and switch for the beginning of the season when they okay. start striking him out. Right. Yeah. Whatever. The only uh, other big notable for the Brewers side, I thought, Hernan Perez uh, here. It would be a couple of days ago when this airs, I suppose. Went two for three in a ball game against the Rangers and drove in seven runs. It's uh, pretty tough to do that in spring training. He's uh, kind of penciled in as one of the two or three utility guys now that Moustakas has come over. But he's going to be spelling brawn in left field at times. He's going to be playing some second, some short, some third. He's going to be a regular player. So to see him get off to a, you know, an, a fast start in spring is a really... A really positive sign. Maybe there's a little fire lit under there. You know, a lot of doubters, you know, thinking, mm. ah, he and Spangy can't, you know, split up second base. It's not good enough. They bring in Moustakas. It'd be nice to see him play with a little bit of fire. He always did, but, uh, you know, a great utility guy to see him get going. He's going to be playing every day, whether he's starting every day or not. It's a nice sign. That's really the, the big takeaways from spring training thus far for the Brewers side. We're only three games in. There's a fourth game coming up this afternoon. Any other things you wanted to touch on from some of the Cubs games that we uh, weren't paying attention to as much as game 164? Uh, you know, not too much. I mean, um, Chatwood still, he you know, game two, he pitched uh, a couple innings, a couple hits, a walk, um, and gave up a home run, a little... You know, he's a question mark, but we're going to have to see. He ended up actually getting the win anyways. Not that it matters, especially spring training. That that was against San Francisco. Uh, Cubs won that 9-5. to five. Um, Schwarber had, hit a double. Um, so, uh, you know, that was good. Okay. He's, he's uh, you know, I heard he's, he, you know, I just read something today. I think I sent that over to you that he's changing his approach, going back to more his older approach, which I think – could be interesting coupled with uh, the uh, discipline and eye that he's had because that was one thing I mentioned before um, that it was just uh, pitches he was actually swinging at. He just you know wasn't uh, hitting right. And it's, I think he got inside his head and and we'll see. We'll see how that evolves this season. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, not too much else right now. You uh, Darvish is is supposed to start today, so see how that goes um and uh yeah sure that's uh i think that pretty wrap pretty much wraps up the first three spring training games i have noticed the brewers haven't been on the radio around here haven't been on tv around here i finally got to watch uh their game uh yesterday a little bit the angels it was nice to see some baseball finally on tv i can't believe the brewers cubs weren't televised unbelievable but you know, moving on, there's also some really big news in the market today. Uh, it sounds like if you're ready to move on, we can do yeah, that. Yeah. The no- Nolan Arenado is signing an eight year extension. That just happened literally minutes ago, as far as us recording the podcast. So we're reacting fresh in time. This, to me, is a huge deal for a couple of reasons. Nolan Arenado is a great fit in Colorado, he's a great player. Uh, incredible defensive player, doesn't get enough credit maybe even for that. But he does so well in Colorado. Don't you have some splits for yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense both for Colorado and for, for Arenado to sign an extension, which which we don't see as much. A lot of players like to test uh, free agency and stuff. So it's kind of this is interesting, but it totally makes sense. I mean, his home and away splits are are – crazy i mean homie his uh career batting average is 320 374 obp his ops is 984 um, but away his uh batting average 263 ops 787 um i mean he, he of most players i mean it's he clearly just plays so much better in colorado i mean it is it, it would not make sense for him uh to touch to test free agency it just doesn't um, this totally makes sense. I know a lot of Cubs fans have brought up the idea of, of nabbing him. And obviously some are probably disappointed in this news, but, uh, given those, those splits, I, I'm 
I don't know. I don't really uh, see him being a good as good of a fit anywhere other than Colorado. So uh, I I don't know if I agree with that entirely. Splits are one thing. Sometimes it's just more comfortable to be at home, spending your nights at home. You feel better the next day too. I don't think it's all Colorado air that we're worried about here. But what I do think is well, the way this relates to baseball itself. I think this is great news for the health of baseball. Oh when yeah. When you're looking at when you're looking at the Machado market and how slow it moved. Harper yeah. hasn't even signed yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for a home. You know, a homegrown guy like Arenado to sign a contract like this, $245 million, it looks like over seven years, uh, according to Bob Nightingale. I'm hearing numbers and seeing things like $35 million AAV, which is, you know, your average annual salary. Uh, this is great because it does a couple of things. Teams like Milwaukee have to grow their players. They aren't as likely as a Chicago, a New York, an L.A., to be able to go out and get a guy like this. Those are where the big TV markets are. For somebody to take, and I don't even think it's really a discount when you start looking at what is going on with Machado and Harper, for somebody to have the foresight and see what the new free agent market is and take what was on the table is a great sign for smaller markets. I think it's a good sign uh, for the future. You know, yeah. it, The way baseball is being set up right now, teams are distributing their money you know, more evenly. It's not even at all. Don't get me wrong, but you're getting more money towards the bottom end. You know, your middle relievers are getting more and more money all the time. They're also becoming more and more important. The way the game is changing, yep. uh, it really suits guys to go ahead and take a great offer, you know, become a quarter billionaire. Why not? And stay at home. You're already there. You know, what are you, yeah. what are some thoughts you have going into this? No, I, I mean, I, I would say I'd agree with that. I do, I do think that, that though, that there is something to say about the splits, though, it, with Colorado being a unique ballpark that, that different players definitely play differently there than most ballparks. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't discount it entirely. I just think he's, I don't think the splits tell the whole story is my point. No, I mean, I agree with you. You're already home. You're, you know, it's where you're used to. I, I think I, I always wondered that. It's like, you know, in the end, I mean, players tend to go where there's the most money. But this is maybe an example of of uh, this is a good deal anyways for him. This is plenty good. I mean, to, but to yes. have that, it shows that there is some value. Some of the players do value uh, both the security and comfort. Um, so... So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's good. Um, yep, it's it's I good. I totally agree. I th- I think it it makes the game feel more more human when players do make moves like this, rather than it just being about about the size of the contract, um, and especially this off season with uh, you know with Machado and Harper, uh, you know, really playing playing that um, and and going well into the winter and, and even with Harper into spring training now, I, I would just right. think that's got to be frustrating. I mean, you're, you're working out, you're ready to play, and you're not on a team. You're just exactly. waiting. Yeah. yeah. This is all this is all part of our Tweet of the Week segment. There's 100 tweets floating around right now. This one from Jeff Pazan. Uh, Pazan, breaking third baseman Nolan Arenado and the Rockies are finalizing an eight-year contract ex- extension worth more than $255 million. Uh, deal includes an opt-out after three years would give Arenado the largest per-year salary of any position player. Uh, I think that is key right there. There's an opt-out after three years. This is really describing a new... Con- a new construction to salary and uh, contract type in baseball. Mm-hmm. This whole 10-year business, $300 million that Harper and Machado assumed everybody should be paying them, seemed like a bit much, especially when your minor leaguers are making something like $14,000 a year. We can spread yeah. the money out a little bit better. I know the players' union is going to disagree with certain things I'm about to say and have said, but yeah. I would like to see the money spread out a little bit more. And this also gives Arenado that opportunity to bail after three. I'm not exactly sure what the details are on the opt-out, if it's a dual opt-out or if it's just him. But the opportunity for him to go make more money if the market changes is there. The opportunity for the mutual benefit is there. I think expecting $300 million and 10 years of commitment is... Too tough a pill for anybody to be swallowing, as far as teams go. Well, we've seen ten, too many of ten, those con- too many of those contracts have failed. Yeah, ten years of commitment probably being the bigger thing. I mean, yeah, it's not that, the money; it's the time. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. 
I would say so too. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, it makes me think about Chris Bryant. Um, you know, I'd love you to are see. always thinking about. Do you think about anybody else? <laughs> oh <laughs> Him yeah, and Kyle Shorter, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but I mean, you know, Chris Bryant uh, is is uh, you know, I I think Cubs fans would love to see him stick around long term. So I I you know For I sure. would love to see some kind of an extension rather than you know uh, testing free agency. That w- that would be a very stressful situation. Um, as I'm sure it's been for uh, Washington fans. Um, oh yeah, this ha- this can't have been fun to watch, and no, it's still going. <laughs> no, how painful that that would be awful if you're a big uh, Nationals fan and and Harper's one of your favorite players, and then to have to go through this, and now he, you know, he's almost certainly going to be leaving, whether it's Los Angeles or uh, Philadelphia. I guess we'll see, but. Um, or it seems knows. like he and Boris, yeah, there's they're still trying to leverage something. I'm not sure. I don't know. I most of the time we're going to focus on Cubs and Brewers. I just feel like this particular transaction is kind of the opposite of everything we've been hearing the last year and a half, two years. And I think long term, this kind of discussion is going to be good for this program focused on the Cubs and Brewers. Like you said, makes you think about Chris Bryant on the Brewers side. It makes me look at how they are structuring their deals. You know, if we move on to right. our wrap of transactions for the Brewers and the Cubs for the season, uh, you know, leading into our third segment here. If you start thinking about how the Brewers structure things, you know, Yasmani Grandel, a one-year deal with an option. You know, Mike Moustakas, something similar with an option. You know, you're looking at structuring it a year at a time Will you keep growing your youth and hopefully growing those young pitchers into something that are fantastic. Uh, there's a few trades I wanted to touch on with the Brewers, but why don't you jump into some of your Cubs stuff from the uh, the transactions over the the winter? I know it wasn't a ton of action. Yeah. But what did you kind of want to speak on before I go through you know the Brewers trades and some other things? Well, I mean the Cubs didn't do a whole lot, which I'm fine with. I mean they didn't need to do a whole lot. They just needed uh, you know certain players to be healthy and execute, but. Uh, but they did do a couple moves, which I barely mentioned, I think, in the first episode when we kind of touched on this. But uh, Daniel Descalso, for one, and 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 Brock as another. Um, Descalso, I think, uh, I mean, that, that piece makes sense. I mean, I think he's sort of taking the uh, Daniel Murphy role that he kind of played in the last half, although I, I he's maybe not quite as good, but, um, but still experienced and definitely, uh, can be plugged in there. Um, and certainly with, uh, uh, Addison Russell going to be out basically the first month, um, serving that suspension, which I suppose we'll, we'll have to touch on at some point as well. What? Um, yeah, the Cubs have had a, an off season of, uh, things that you really haven't wanted to talk about yet no but yeah, we're gonna I have ha- to. that's the first time i brought that up and here we're into the third episode and i don't even really I, we, well i want to keep it baseball focused but at the same time there's some transgressions you can't ignore so we'll get yeah there. we'll get there i'll get there but let's uh <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah let's talk of the finish up the baseball transactions. yeah stuff. yeah so you know discalso uh, I think he adds adds a nice presence there. He's a nice piece, um, and and you know, uh, left handed batter. Uh, it's just another piece for for Madden to to play with with matchups and and um, to fill in gaps as needed and give some people some rest. I mean, that's you know, Madden does does quite a range of things as far as that. He really plays the matchups and likes the you know as as he calls them uh, you know working with the the nerds you know that. Right. Crunch the numbers. So well, was he? He was also brought in a bit to kind of fill a gap of somebody that left, right? Um, oh crap, I'm forgetting. Well, well, Daniel Murphy. The, you know, okay. Well, partly that. Yep. Um, and then Addison Russell, really, um, being gone, you can put Descalso in at second, um, and uh, Javi at short. You know, if that favors the the. Matchup. Otherwise, you could have Ben Zobrist at second. Um, you know, so th- I think Madden will play around with that. I think we'll see a lot of things. I, Javi will be at shortstop, no doubt, until Addison Russell's back. Um, so, and arguably, possibly after Russell's back, we'll see. 
Right. Is Russell, is he capable of sliding to second base? I mean, he's got the talent, or would you rather have Javi go back to second? Because Russell Russell was decent. He's a very good defensive player. Yeah, yeah, he's good. what I have seen of him. He's, he's, uh, you know, he sometimes has some issues with his throwing. Um, He had some throwing errors here and there. I mean, I... I, I actually do think Javi's the better shortstop, but uh, you know Javi's an excellent second baseman too. So, um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's really about putting the best lineup on the field anyway. And if that means Javi at second, Russell's probably a defensive improvement over Descalso. Um, you know things like that. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know the first month uh, there'll probably be a, a range of some lineups there as they they work their way through uh, the suspension. Uh, games so um but uh so yeah descalso uh but i think uh broad brad brock is uh oh had a dog barking here (laughs) (laughs) we'll edit that out that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's all right anyways uh (laughs) um brad um brad brock um is an interesting piece i mean he's uh you know, he's actually not too bad of a relief pitcher. He's, you know, he did very okay. well for he did very well for Zach Britton a couple of years ago in uh in filling in in his role uh, for the yeah. Orioles as a closer actually. Uh, I do remember that particularly. Uh, oh yeah, he had he some good years very, in Baltimore. Very good. I think I think it was within 17, 2017, I think he had a very very good season if I'm not mistaken. Uh 2016 Okay, maybe that was, was a it. particularly good year. Um, he was on the, all, you know, made the All Star team. Um, he had a two oh five ERA. Um, yeah, so and that's more in a setup role. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting piece in there. He, uh, uh, you know, I was looking at, you know, I like as I've mentioned before, I love uh, Baseball Reference. Um, it's a site, and and uh, you know, I was looking at. Uh, um, you know, similar, uh, similarity scores and, uh, number one, similar pitcher they got on there is, uh, Pedro Strope. Uh, oh, okay. So, which is, which is interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, and he does have a lot of similarities there and, uh, yeah, I have no problem having another Pedro Strope in the Cubs bullpen. Um, that's, that's oh, solid. The, the, yeah, the Brewers won't mind seeing the same guy come out of the bullpen in the same game. That's good. Oh, you, you've wow. seen it. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you know, you jack the second guy. That's okay. We don't mind. Well, I mean, the the Cubs. Uh, <laughs> it's like they, it's that simple, right? <laughs> they lost Jesse Chavez and Justin Wilson. Uh, Jesse Chavez, I liked a lot. He was he was very effective, but it just didn't work out to keep him. Uh, Justin Wilson was not as effective, so not as concerned there um now with the full uh uh starting rotation you get mike montgomery back in the bullpen and and kind of as it sits uh you know tyler chatwood um i think can uh do some work from the bullpen as well so you so you plug those in you add brad brock in there and then you got the other pieces that were um that are still still around you know like uh pedro strope um you know i i think uh you know, it's a pretty pretty solid uh, bullpen. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., Steve Ciszek. I know you like Steve Ciszek, right? Um, yeah, he's. A, I think he's a Madison boy, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Funky delivery out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, not University of Wisconsin. They don't even have a baseball team, which still boggles my mind. Different topic, yeah. different day. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that is a pretty solid bullpen. A couple of things, you know, getting to bullpen things that the Brewers did. Kind of the overlooked trade of their offseason, I feel like. Uh, they sent the 40th pick to the Texas Rangers for uh, Alex Claudio, a left-handed reliever. Uh, it feels like that was a pretty important pickup to have a second left-hander outside of Hader because Hader isn't really a, a lefty specialist of any sort. But they lost Jennings and Cedeno off of the roster from last year. The cool part about Alex Claudio, and this is where I got into, you know, in our earlier conversation on this particular episode, I love the way that they build rosters. Uh, the way that David Stearns approaches it is perfect for this market. He got a multi-inning guy, so Claudio is capable of pitching, you know, more than an inning at a time in need. Uh, three years of club, club control. Uh, he's got at least one minor league option. Two years ago, he was very, very good. He had a 2.5 ERA, a 1.04 whip, and 82 and two-thirds innings. 
uh, over 70 games. That's excellent, excellent production. If he can get back oh, anywhere yeah. near that again, that would be a stellar addition to the studs at the back of this bullpen. Last year, not so good. You know, four four eight ERA. We'll find out what uh, first-year pitching coach Chris Hook has in store for him if they can get some things straightened out. And I'm sure they saw some things in his numbers that said, you know, that's maybe a little more of an outlier. Uh, I hope that's the case. But again, the way that they develop at this level, you're grabbing a guy, somebody that could be really excellent out of the bullpen, and you're locking him in for three years without having to pay him a ton. That's what you have to do in a small market. Uh, yeah. If you go, yeah. yeah um, really really could be a solid add to that bullpen you get back to a couple other transactions they made you know earlier you did say that you didn't feel like the cubs needed to do anything one thing i do like about watching david stern's work is even though they won 96 games last year and really didn't have a ton of a ton of drop off coming back you know you're losing Mustakas, losing a couple of minor guys out of the pen what they did was strengthen up in some depth areas by trading guys that they really didn't have room for. Uh, after adding Yelich and Kane, the outfield became super stacked and super deep with Santana and Broxton, both guys who had been starters the previous year and had some very major success in the big leagues. They basically ran out of space for them. So the Brewers sent Domingo Santana after a really awful start to last season, uh, but he actually contributed greatly down the stretch as a pinch hitter, was really important down the stretch but they sent him out to seattle they uh they got um a left-handed batter uh not matt gamel ben gamel matt gamel's brother actually matt gamel was a third base mm. prospect for okay. the brewers for a number of years uh but he can play all three spots in the outfield uh, he's uh you know a little bit above average league numbers across the board uh, he could be a great battery mate for braun he's another left-handed hitter He's got an excellent arm. I saw some defensive highlights of him. Could be a really nice find for your fourth outfielder. Uh, he, you know, he can play center in a pinch. He's not gonna, you know, be a. Oh, he won't be Lorenzo Kane, but he would be, you know, somebody that can stack in there once in a while. A great double switch candidate. Uh, they also got a young pitcher named Zavalos. He's a Harvard graduate. Uh, he's been time between low A and high A at a 3.03 ERA. So what they did is they gave themselves a nice bottom end prospect and somebody that can contribute right away for Domingo Santana, who is out of options. Really, the Brewers do shuttle bus people back and forth to the minors a lot. It's part of their strategy. Do the Cubs do a lot of that or not? I don't remember seeing a ton of that from them last year, where they run the shuttle back and forth with some relievers. Is that more of a... A smaller market thing that's happening or the Cubs uh, doing quite a bit of that too no they did a little bit of that um there are a few you know though it, it depends on on I think kind of matchups a little bit and also uh you know they are conscious of the fact that they need to give some of their minor leaguers some some major league experience um so you know you last year it was mostly uh injury driven um okay and that's that's usually the case with most most other teams too, but they, even still, then uh, you know they try to keep that. You know, you you still got to give that depth some experience um, no at doubt. the major league level because yeah, it's just another. So you know, if people are really uh, performing extremely well at AAA level, they definitely will will get an opportunity somewhere. You know, so, sure. Um, well, and- the big reason I brought it up is uh, the Brewers do run a shuttle bus back and forth for their middle relievers a lot. Uh, and even last year, they used 11 starting pitchers. So it's not like they didn't do it for that front end either. It's a different way to manage the organization. They're really managing a 40-man roster. They're not managing a 25-man roster. It's a different way to play the game. So what they did do also to fill in some more spots that had developed, Keon Broxton. Uh, he had been a 2020 guy a couple of years ago. I super sad to see him go. High energy guy. You know, Flash is a glove that could be gold glove capable at times. Super speedy. They didn't have any options left for him in a crowded outfield, so they traded him to the Mets. Uh, in return, they're getting a young pitcher named Bobby Wall who had an 11.9K per nine inning rate going on in the minors. 95 plus miles an hour. He's topped out at 98.99. Uh, so another big arm that could develop into something. He hasn't shown anything huge at the major league level yet. Uh, he actually got knocked around a bit for the Mets in a couple of uh, you know a couple of cups of coffee is what it really looked like. We'll mm-hmm. see what the Brewers can do with him, but it's another arm to add to that shuttle that I was talking about. Another pitcher right. that he received in return, a young guy, Adam Hill. 
you know, Major League Baseball pipeline ranked him 139th in 2018. So another good prospect and then a strong low A candidate in him right now. Uh, and then another guy from the Dominican League, uh, Felix Valerio. He played second and third down there at a 319, 409, 433 split. So, you know, just some young guys. They're filling back in. They have emptied out the minor league system a bit. Uh, so they're what I love about what David Stearns is doing. He's uh, adding some low level stuff along with major league capable talent. Uh, it's a nice way to build the roster. I'm really excited about it. Some signings we've already covered: Spangenberg. We've covered Mustakas and Grandall. Another couple of guys: Josh Tomlin and another uh, reliever named Patricka could actually play a role this year too. But that pretty much wraps the Brewers transactions. Uh, for the off season, we'll talk more as they develop, of course. But uh, that pretty much yeah. does it for the Brewer side. Anything you wanted to add on the Cubs side, or any reaction to how you feel David Stearns has been building? Oh, I mean that totally makes sense, especially the way the the team's built and being a smaller market. I mean, it's it's just what you got to do, um, and uh, you know, and I think it complements uh, Council's managing style as well um so i mean it makes sense um it's not going to be enough to beat the cubs but you know that's <laughs> it was enough last year and they well got barely better. barely barely yeah baby barely whatever <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i guess uh keeping the theme going on transactions we wanted to uh move into the seventh inning here huh yeah let's take the stretch what are we doing today well, we we want to talk about some historically bad transactions. Um, oh yeah, yeah negativity. Just, That's pretty fun. Let's rip on some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I I wanted to bring up which the, you know, and I remember this even as a kid uh, hearing about it. Of course, uh, my dad was a huge Cubs fan, and um, he witnessed this firsthand. And of course, uh, um, you know, even many years later uh complaining to me about it and you know <laughs> uh you know we the cubs uh, it's interesting we talk about the cubs and we you know everyone knows 2016 world series they're looked at as sort of this you know monster in the national league division but um the majority of my life the majority of actually the last century they were not good um and did a lot of bad you know made a lot of bad transactions um they were but the terrible most famous, for a long time the most famous <laughs> one and uh most famous one was definitely uh trading lou brock um oh. for basically nothing and uh that one that one hurt them pretty bad um, i you know the main piece being ernie broglio uh pitcher is who the cubs got uh there are a couple others involved in the transaction this was uh june 15th 1964 it was a mid-season trade and of course the worst thing about it is lou brock went to the cardinals um of all teams so <laughs> yeah. yeah that hurt yeah yeah uh, that would hurt but- a lot yeah, Broglio only played uh, another three years for the Cubs with, uh, oh, looks like a four to seven or so ERA. In fact, he had a four ERA the rest of the 64 season. Then 65, nearly a, a set, he had a 6.93. In 66, he had a 6.35. And then he was done um, while uh, Lou Brock went on to have a Hall of Fame career. So, you know. I'm sure Cardinals fans never hit, never are afraid to bring that one up, are they? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that one, <laughs> that one hurt. So, yeah, wanted to bring up that, that, would, that one. <laughs> that would sting a little bit. I've got one from the Brewers that uh, I was actually alive for, so that was a bonus. Okay, uh, a Ricky bonus, unfortunately. Uh, so back in 1992. Uh, as I recall, I remember Gary Sheffield coming up with the Brewers. Mm-hmm. I was a young kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Won, I, had I, bel- his, I had his rookie card. His top. I do, uh, too. I card. have it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. it somewhere. I should, you know, make a video of me burning that or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, maybe I'm kidding. I don't know. Anyway, I got to find it first. But uh, back in 1992, you know, he'd won a rookie of the year, I think, mm-hmm. a couple of years before. Uh, he was not happy in Milwaukee at all. And he made it really, really well known. And uh, this ended up costing the Brewers quite a bit. At the time, Bud Selig was running the show. 
and uh, or at least was the owner. He had ripped, or Sheffield had publicly ripped the owner. Uh, he had, you know, basically stated that he hated Milwaukee. So, you know, Cubs no. fans probably love Chef. Uh, <laughs> and he put them in a position where he was actually, he admitted later, and I'm not sure if it was after his career or late in his career, that he was intentionally uh, committing errors at third base, basically throwing the ball into the stands occasionally. Uh so there wasn't much that Milwaukee could do except trade him, right? Yeah. Unfortunately for Milwaukee, he turned into an incredible offensive talent. Uh, he was good defensively for a long time till he got older. Uh, Hall of Famer, incredible player. Uh, but basically, they had to send him to the Padres for Ricky Bonus, and it was spelled looks like Bones, but if I remember right, it was pronounced Bonus. And uh, he was basically, you know, back end of the rotation kind of starter, a fourth outfielder and a guy named Matt Miski, and then Jose Valentin, who ended up being basically uh, an adequate shortstop. You know, in return for that, the Padres got some control on, you know, one of the best offensive players we've seen in the last 20 years. So that was the Brewers' worst trade that I could think of. Um, I also think, uh, as much as I love David Stearns, I think that Justin Scope trade will be interesting to talk about here in a year or two, uh, mm, even sometime yeah. this year. I don't think it'll be in the rankings with Sheffield. Don't get me wrong. We didn't. I don't think we yeah. sent a Hall of Famer to Baltimore. But what right, they were hoping right. to get with Scope was, you know, a year and a half of control at second base. And here they are, you know, signing Mustakas back instead to play second, and Scope's gone on to Minnesota. They had to release him. So that one turned out yeah. pretty awful. But yeah. Sheffield makes it you know, look pretty good in comparison. So that's right. what I well, got yeah. for, the, for a little seventh inning history this time. And don't forget, too, in the seventh inning segment, we are going to do a lot of futuristic stuff. So that's kind oh, yeah, of why I bring be, up, I bring up the scope of, trade because kind of that's a – go ahead, yeah. Yeah, a wild card kind of a segment. So, yeah, I mean, it's with 90 miles connections. So Exactly. Um, I, yeah, I know. We wanted to mention uh, about, uh, well, you know more about him than, than me, Brooks Kieschnick. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, the That's Cubs, an interesting one. Cubs yeah. uh, picked him 10th uh, overall pick in the 1993 amateur draft. Um, and, uh, you know, he thought, thought that uh, he had a lot of uh, potential. Of course, they picked him over... Uh, Derek Lee, Chris Carpenter, Tory Hunter. Um, so, <laughs> uh, obviously, you know those names. You might not know Brooks Kieschnick, but uh, in any case, um, I know you. Then what happened is he played. Uh, he only played for the Cubs for a little bit, but then um, most of the time was in the minors, and then uh, was a yeah. Brewer. Then in what two thousand four. 2003 and 2004, yeah, okay. a couple of years with Milwaukee. He resurfaced, uh, the Brewers brought him in, and uh, he had developed as a pitcher by then. So <laughs> okay. the Brewers had him down in the minors. So this guy comes up, this Brooks Kieschnick that nobody in Milwaukee knows anything about. And uh, I mean, there might have been a few people, but he, uh, he gets up there and he'd been brought up as a reliever. But he would pinch hit every once in a while, and I think he may have even played a little bit of left field and outfield for Milwaukee at times. Uh, he actually put up some okay numbers. You know, you take a look at it, and uh, his batting in 03. Now this is 69 games, 76 plate appearances. So you know what that means. He's pinch hitting. He hit yeah. 300. He hit 300. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> and he had seven dingers and you know, uh, basically 70 at bats. So, yeah, he was a little bit of a cult hero in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee specifically, being able to do that mostly off the bench. Uh, in 2004, 75 games, 68 plate appearances, 63 at-bats, hit 270. The power decreased, and that was kind of the uh, the end of the career, the end of the line there. But he did do some pitching as well. You know, it's not like he was terrible. I mean, 2003, he was more of a hitter when he hit his, you know, his bombs, but he had a 526 ERA. At least you could get some innings out of the guy. 377 ERA the next year. Uh, he didn't pitch a ton. Uh, he did have, you know, I mean, he, he had a fair number of innings and stuff. But, yeah, Brooks Kieschnick, that was a name from the – a blast from the past there for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So. I thought that was a fun one to, to bring up in the uh, transactions. And, of course, there's a direct 90 miles connection having both been part of the Cubs and Brewers organizations. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. 
so, so I guess that kind of leads us through that segment. We're going to move on, and I think uh, if you're ready, we'll do some predictions. Yeah, it's you, time uh, for some predictions. And, and yeah. uh, at 90milespodcast.com, um, if you look at the menu at the top there, there's a section called predictions, and we're going to log all of these there and track them. So um, be sure to check that out, and and we'll be keeping yeah. some stats on, on how we do on these predictions as well. Oh, yeah. So, and we want um, our predictions to be a little aggressive too, and have some fun with them. So, oh yeah, we're not know, we're not going to play if, it. We're not going to play it safe just in the to in the sake of beating each other. But if we do beat each other with uh, bold <laughs> predictions, then it, it really means something. That's, right, uh, right. You know, so yeah. If if you're hitting 500 on these predictions, you're doing pretty well, hopefully, because these are uh, supposed to be not so easy, you know? So I think that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got more of the fun oriented one today and I got a bone to pick with you on that. You have been getting after me on Twitter about Kyle Schwarber for the last, I don't know how many days, just because I'm not a big fan, whatever. It it is what it is. Well, you always get after me too about Jimmy Nelson. So I got a little prediction for you. Okay. So Jimmy Nelson, you know, let's assuming, you know, assuming he's gotten a little better and he's actually going to make it to the major league staff here, we're all hoping for that. I don't think you're rooting against the guy that's been injured. I'm not rooting against Chris Bryant. I'm just rooting against the Cubs in general. But uh, okay. if Jimmy Nelson's on the roster, the Cubs and Brewers are going to face each other. Uh, is it 19 times this year? I think something like that. I think Kyle Schwarber is going to hit less than 200 against Jimmy Nelson this year. He's not going to have a home run. He's not going to have a home run. He's not going to have a triple, and he's not going to have an RBI. Okay, he's not going to have that, a home run, nor a triple, nor he might get a, he might get a double, no RBIs either. But okay. that I want to start with is just for the first. Let's just do the first ten at bats they face each other, though, and then first, we'll review okay. it. First ten at bats, Nelson versus Schwarber, which could take until July. We don't even know if Nelson's going to be a starter, or if he's going to be out of the bullpen, or if right, he's even right. going to be in the majors at this point. Well, and it's going to depend uh, if Schwarber's in the lineup that day too. Um, right. But okay, well, you know, it'll be null and void if they don't have ten. But they should they should have ten, assuming if, no injuries on either side. Um, right. So okay, so ten, first ten at bats, Schwarber versus Nelson. Schwarber no better than no better no, than two hundred. No better than two hundred batting average. No triples. No home runs. No RBIs. Right. He may get a double okay. here or there. So okay. something like that. Okay. And that's just kind of a fun one, kind of a weird one, and a kind of a way to. Okay, yeah, that's kind of a way to put our. Uh, <laughs> and now my dog's going nuts. Uh, yeah, kind of a way to yeah, <laughs> put some chips on the table with the two guys that we drive each other nuts with. So I okay, thought that'd be a okay, good way yeah, that, I I like that one. That's a fun one. We'll we'll track that. We will be, be definitely watching that. I mean, we oh, really yeah. the, we just gotta see when uh, Nelson is is pitching. And and it's funny that you picked that because I got my prediction ready. Um, all right, all right. And yours, yours is a very specifically Cubs versus Brewers this season kind of one, and so is mine. Um, oh, good. Yeah, we don't talk about these before the show. We just bring them and react. It's more fun that way. Yeah, yeah. No, no reason to discuss. But mine, you know, is uh, the Cubs face the Brewers. Uh, it's the third series of the season. Um, Th- that's right. April 5th. Sixth and seventh, three game series. Um, I'm I'm gonna just throw it right out there right now. Cubs Cubs are gonna sweep that series. Wow! So I cannot believe I <laughs> believe the arrogance. It's just <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. This one, you know, what's fun about this is we're gonna know whether I'm right on this prediction or not. Yeah, as Quickly. soon as the first game's over. Yeah. It's going to be Brewers win. There goes your prediction. It's going to be uh, yeah. beautiful. Well, Jimmy no, Nelson will cage. Yeah, Jimmy will cage Schwarber three <laughs> times. We'll be off and rolling. It'll be good. Oh, it's going to be a heated <laughs> series. I mean, I mean, if, you know, we're talking about, we were joking with the spring training game about 164, but really that Friday uh, game on April 5th is is really going to kind of have the feeling of 164. Uh that's it, it, you know Absolutely. that's their first uh, regular season matchup since uh, since that game one sixty three. So um, it'll be fun. 
it's, it's going to be heated. Uh, the Cubs are going to be have a fire there. They're not going to be treating this like, oh, it's, you know, beginning of April and stuff. The, this is going to be, you know, and I don't think the Brewers will either. I mean, this is going to be a pretty heated series. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there right now and just put put my uh, chips on the table on that. All right. You know, right to start right. the season. So that's so that's my prediction. Cubs sweep that series April 5th, 6th, 7th against the Brewers. Well, I can't wait to laugh at you on the follow-up uh, podcast. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be good. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I was like, maybe, oh, Cubs win that series two out of three. I'm like, that's not bold enough. I'm, I'm going for the sweep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, one thing I want to say after that too, make sure that you go and subscribe at 90 milespodcastcom because during these seasons series uh, with the Cubs and Brewers, when there's a specifically close, tight, hard fought series, we may do a short half an hour drop podcast out of nowhere, just covering the recap of it, or maybe possibly a preview at times too. So if you yep. like what you're hearing and you want to hear something specific too, reactions based on a specific game or a specific series, you need to be subscribed. So you know, when those things drop because we won't be able to predict them all the time we'll always do our once a week podcast which will run anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15 but we want to do at least one or two or maybe three of these drop shots where we just cover some bruise cubs head-to-head stuff and talk nothing about yes. the, the cardinals nothing about the pirates nothing no. about the history of the clubs and the brewers we just want to be sure talk you know, some when crap. you go to ni- 90 milespodcast.com go to the subscribe section and subscribe to the mailing list um obviously so you can still subscribe on itunes to the podcast and all that but um if you subscribe to the mailing list um we'll we'll shoot out emails here and there uh, when we have new blog posts up, um, maybe we'll send out an email if, if, you know, depending on how some of these predictions turn out or any other kind of related things. Um, we're going to have some more blogs up on the site as well. Um, so be sure yeah. to subscribe to the mailing list because we'll let you know when the podcast uh, episodes drop as well. But also um, that way you can hear when uh, there's other things going on. Exactly. Uh, so. We're just a couple of fans trying to have some fun. Join us, interact with us, you know, hit us up on that stuff. Go ahead and comment on a blog if you like. Uh, definitely yeah. hit oh. us on Twitter for sure. Yeah. Hit us on Twitter. Yes, definitely on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, and actually, too, on that predictions page, and I don't know if you saw this, Jesse, but uh, I haven't I, had a chance to look. You just put it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, you can comment on that page. So go ahead and, and, oh, right on. Um, you know, if anyone wants to go on there and, comment on predictions we're making or predictions that ended up not being true or whatever uh we'll we'll uh you know keep those comments rolling um all year so uh um, that's right and we can get right on ryan's case immediately following game one of that cubs brewer series no, and let him know we'll how see. awful we'll his see. predictions are yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know the Brewers right. are winning that game. Anyway, you can yeah follow me at at brewcrewwinning dot or at brewcrewwinning on Twitter. Where are you at again? At, at uh, Rapsis Cubs win. Perfect, perfect. So we wanted to transition from our predictions into covering a team we really have not talked about this season. That would be the Pittsburgh Pirates, who sneakily, I believe, won. I, I don't even have it pulled up, but I believe they were eighty-two and seventy-nine last year. I don't think they played one sixty-two. I played. I think they played one sixty-one. Uh, we wanted to review them a little bit. We haven't talked about them. We focused really heavy on St. Louis because. Well, they're St. Louis. And then the Reds with their up-and-coming season and off-season. What's up with Pittsburgh? Ryan, do you have anything to kind of lead it off with? Well, I mean, you know, yeah, they were uh, 82 and 79, so they're above 500 club. Um, But, of course, that still put them in fourth place uh, in the Central. That's right. And that was last year, and the Central got even better. So we'll see. Um, You know, yeah. well, a couple of things we wanted to hit on right away, too. Uh, the Chris Archer trade last season. We didn't have a yeah. chance to wrap that. That, I thought, was a very interesting maneuver. They gave up uh, Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows, and the player to be named later ended up being a young man named Shane Baz, who might be the best one out of all three when it's all said and done. They'd mm-hmm. all been top 100 prospects at some point, and that was to go get a guy in Chris Archer that didn't necessarily light things up once he came over Uh, i don't know if you've got him pulled up at all but uh, i know there was a lot of teams in on him last year i know the brewers were rumored to be in there of course uh the cubs might have been rumored to be in after him too were they or not i don't recall 
I don't really recall you, that. I don't um, think you guys were looking starting pitching, so it may not have been one that you guys well, were after. We'll call Hamels. Uh, oh yeah, that's well. What am I thinking? Of course. Yeah, which I would obviously rather. <laughs> this have. isn't the rivalry, Cole Hamels. How could I forget that? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but yeah, he he uh, no, he had uh, well, yeah, all of 2018. He wasn't particularly good. 4.31 uh, ERA. Uh, that's 4.30. Um, 4.31 with uh, Tampa Bay, and then 4.30 with Pittsburgh. Um, consistently not good then yeah um no nothing really uh now to give him some credit he does have a couple of all-star appearances 2015 he had a 290 era 2017 another all-star appearance a 340 era so the young man and he's still fairly young is capable of some pretty good stuff yeah it looks Uh, like he was fifth in uh cy young voting in that 2015 season um clearly they're you know obviously pittsburgh was looking at potential more so than right than, you know proven talent uh so uh, to correct myself by the way i'm sorry i quoted his fip numbers his era was 323 and 407 respectively in 15 and 17 so it's not right, like he's right. been he hasn't been crazy good but uh yeah they'll be expecting some some more return out of them. The nice part is I do believe they got some club control out of them. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, I think, what, know, three more years of control. Definitely the biggest surprise of the deadline at the time. Uh, the the Pirates went into the All-Star break hot. They swept Milwaukee five games to none. That was a horrible series to watch. But, uh, mm, yeah, the, yeah, giving up glass now, Meadows and Baz, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see what Archer does. I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of the trade at the time. They gave up too much, in my opinion. I don't know where your opinion on it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't that good. But, um, (laughs) you know, then again, it's like, well, they're, you know, it's crowded enough in the central. So, I don't know. I'd I'd rather, you know, some of the, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and, Cincinnati, especially St. Louis, uh, unfortunately, they did did the opposite this off season and and greatly improved. Um, yes. I'd rather see them, you know, all those teams not improve, including the Brewers. Well, so, of course, I mean that's you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's just so. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I you know, I don't know, I I. It's hard to have a strong, positive emotion about another team in the Central. Sure. Um, well, let me let me give it a go. I've got some things pulled up. I think the Pirates actually have a really strong pitching staff in general. You've got Jamison Tyon, who's excellent, some electric stuff. He was 14-10 and 10 with a 3-2-0 ERA last year. Mm, Trevor Williams, yeah. who doesn't have the same kind of stuff, also 14-10, and 10, but a better ERA, 3-11. Uh, Joe Musgrove, Chad Cool, and Archer round out a pretty good rotation. If you look at it, Archer might be your number three guy there on a good year. And yeah. Musgrove and Cool aren't bad guys. You go to the bullpen. They added Keon Kila from Kansas City last year to go with Felipe Vasquez, who is an all-star level closer with some electric stuff. Uh, they've got a couple young arms in Kyle Crick and Richard Rodriguez that could be very good. Uh, I think overall their staff is really it's really set up to do some successful things. They absolutely have the possibility, in my opinion, to be right around that 500 mark again. I don't think they stack up with Milwaukee. I don't think they stack up with Chicago or St. Louis. They look like a fourth-place team, but that's yeah. mostly due to what I'm seeing from their lineup. Uh, do well, you have if, some there's, their- if there's some sparks there and they're uh, you know, an over 500 500- team uh, you know from my perspective i hope they snag some games from st louis and and milwaukee so and the cubs (laughs) (laughs) well not that but but anyways uh yeah (laughs) so um yeah and i guess since we're talking about pirates and we're talking about transactions uh we wanted to just bring up uh aramis ramirez Oh yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Almost, almost sort of a bonus uh, seventh inning, but also NL Central breakdown kind of piece. You, um, sure, but um, he's got he's got some pretty legit ninety miles uh, connections, and then of course connected to the Pirates, of course too. Cubs uh, 
Cubs acquired him from the Pirates, um, and he had a a great uh, career with the Cubs. Um, he was one of my favorite players while he played. He's he's one yes. of the one of the best third basemen that played for the Cubs. In fact, I ran a poll. Um, it was a while ago, a month, maybe a month ago or more. It was in uh, January the, sometime. Yep. Yeah, yeah, about greatest uh, Cubs third baseman of all time, and and he uh, he he got a lot of love. Um, in fact, I think he pulled second on that. Ron Santo, of course, is is a legend. Uh, so, sure, uh, he got sure. first. But but Ramirez got a lot of love, and Chris Bryant, uh, rightfully right now, got uh, third in that poll. Of course, he's still got more. You know, he's got to play, get some more years uh, with the Cubs before people can yeah. commit to that. But Ramirez, uh, no, he was very solid with the Cubs, and um, but yeah, he went uh, from the Pirates to the Cubs, and then to the Brewers. That's right. Uh, they signed him as a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually going to ask you how, what was, uh, he didn't do too bad. He had some decent years there too. He really did. I don't have him pulled up right in front of me. I'm pulling him up right now. Uh, but I do remember when he came over, it was on a pretty competitive brewer team. They were trying to make some pushes to get towards the playoffs. And in fact, he came in after that 2011 season in which I believe Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, lost to St. Louis, Stupid Cardinals. And uh, anyway, yeah, he lo- uh, the 2011 season when they were a couple games shy of the World Series, he came in and followed that up. Actually batted 300. You know, he yeah. had a 630 plate appearances. He was by no means over the hill playing. I mean, he was 34 years old, so it wasn't what we used to you know, see some of, in some of the categories. But 27 home runs led the league with 50 doubles in 2012. Na- yeah, 901 OPS. Super big OPS. He's followed it up in 13 with an 831 OPS, which is still really good. Remember my mm-hmm. prediction a week ago about you know six guys over 800 plus a, a part-time player over 800. That's a stretch. That's hard to do. Being over mm-hmm. 800 in OPS is a, a very explosive type of batter and year. So, yeah, he had a couple of excellent years. 2013, it was, I think there was some injury-plagued things because he only logged 92 games. So it got shortened up a bit. But uh, 2014, he went in as an all-star for the Brewers. So he's got three all-star appearances. You know, 33% of them are with Milwaukee, which is a great way to tie the 90 Miles podcast together. Uh, yeah. Really really a, a class act guy. Uh, came to play every day. Wasn't, uh, from what I could see as a Brewer fan, I don't know how Cubs fans felt about him, but I was I was very happy to have him for a couple of years there. A professional Oh, yeah. We, no, Cubs fans uh, loved Ramirez. He was great. Um, yeah. You know, and he, he put up some huge numbers with the Cubs, too. Uh, you know, he had four years in a row, 04 to 07. Uh, he had 900, over 900 OPS, four seasons in a row. That's um, huge. Was, you know, he's always around that 300 batting average. Um, yep. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he really, uh, you know, many, quite a few seasons over 100 RBIs. Um, he's always good for, you know, around 30 or so home runs. Um, yeah, I mean, he, a solid player. Um, you know, it was nice. I remember when he really came to be and really started playing regularly at third after a few seasons, you know, he was often brought up. It's like, oh, the Cubs finally got a regular third baseman again. They haven't had one since Ron Sano. Um, so, yep. and now hopefully that's the case again with Chris Bryant. Um, we'll see, although Chris Bryant could play left too and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you know, but it's not the day of the regular position player so much anymore, but, uh, you know, uh, but in any case, yeah, we thought well, uh, it'd be fun. To I bring think up what's, Ramirez. it is cool. And he got to wrap up his career too. He played as recently as 2015 for Milwaukee. I think a halfway uh, yeah. through the season, he got shipped over to Pittsburgh, got to finish his career with the Pirates. If I'm not mistaken, those particular Pirates were pretty good. I thought it was a playoff push, but now I don't recall 100%, but that's still only a few years ago. Uh, absolutely was, uh, uh, a great career for Ramirez. Um, you know, you might be able to make an argument that it was a Hall of Fame career. We'll wait and see on that. We'll talk about it some other day. But uh, Yeah, that was the yeah. 2015 um, Pirates, which actually, uh, yeah, they did uh, make the wild card along with the Cubs and lost that yep. wild card game to the Cubs. Well, there's season. 
that's a wrap on a career, isn't it? You start in Pittsburgh, go to Chicago. That's where you blossom. Play a little in Milwaukee, ship back to Pittsburgh, and lose to the Cubs. How weird is that? But yeah, yeah that's a that's a great tie up for sure on him. Uh, the only other thing that we haven't talked about at all, and I just want to touch on it, Pittsburgh's lineup, just briefly, uh, they could use Aramis Ramirez. They're not strong <laughs> in the lineup. They've got some guys that get on base. One thing that they do well, they don't strike out a lot. And with a good pitching staff, that can go a long ways. I don't suspect that uh, Pittsburgh will be in the wild card hunt, but they do have the staff to be a very... Uh, they have the staff to be a thorn in everybody's side. So this will be an interesting season in the Central. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, um, I think that actually wraps us up here today. I think so, yeah. Ramos Ramirez wrap, a little Schwarber versus Nelson. That was a pretty good day. A pretty good day talking baseball. Just a couple of fans hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, all right. Uh, yeah. yeah. 90milespodcast.com. 90 <laughs> Catch us on Twitter. And... Uh, yeah, we'll be back again next week. Go Brewers, Cardinals suck. <laughs> Go Cubs, Cardinals suck, and the Brewers suck. Cubs suck. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.